This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 139. And the quote of the day is from Warren Buffett, who said, it takes 20 years to build a relationship and five minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, you'll do things differently. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And this session is brought to you by DW Drums. And as you know, I've been playing DW for years, not only because they make great handcrafted drums, but because they support and foster drumming initiatives all over the world, much like this podcast. This podcast is 100% free thanks to the folks at DW Drums. Be sure to say thanks and check them out today at dwdrums.com. This session is also free thanks to the folks at Evans, the leaders in innovation in the 16-inch bass head. From single-ply clear all the way to the EMAT heavyweight bass batter, Evans is producing heads that maximize the power and nuance of smaller bass drums. Check them out today at evansdrumheads.com. Now listen, if you're stuck in your career and you're trying to figure out how you can either make drumming your career or if you want to just get more gigs or get more students or increase your social presence, I do that kind of stuff all the time and help others do the same. If you're interested in working with me on a one-on-one level, I have two ways that you can do it. One, I have a monthly program that you can work for me that I have two slots remaining. And also you can do uh, just a, a a la carte sort of, we can just get on Skype every once in a while and chat and you can do it as your schedule permits. For information about all of that, go to drummersresource.com forward slash career and you'll be able to check out the two options and schedule a call with me to see if we're right to work with each other. That's drummersresource.com forward slash career. Now, the interview that I have today is Chris Carhart from Fanagram. And this interview is great because He's new. Well, I don't want to say he's new to the scene, but he's he's new to what he's doing now, and that is playing major major vendors. He's been doing venues. He's been doing it for about two years now with Fanagram, and I mean, he's now he's like playing at Madison Square Garden, and he's going on tour with Muse, and they're playing all these stadiums and arenas, which is amazing. So he talks about the transition from you know from from that side of things, also the network aspect of it, how he practices, how he teaches, and things like that. Really, really interesting interview with a great player and a super humble, down-to-earth guy. So without further ado, let's get into it with Chris Carhart. Enjoy. <music> what's going on man thank you so much for doing this i appreciate it absolutely my pleasure yeah it's nice to to connect last time we were just talking off air we were both uh experiencing some some construction going on outside the house i guess that's the the new york way i guess i don't know it is relentless yeah there's uh like i said there's a there's a caddyshack scene going on outside on my street <laughs> with about 15 very deep holes and a lot of jackhammering starting very early in the morning. So it's quite pleasant. I think it, I think that stuff starts legally. They can't start before eight and like eight o'clock on the dot. It's just noise. Oh, they're waiting and ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As soon as eight o'clock starts, it's like, start yeah. it up. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, anyway, um, let's not talk about construction. Let's talk some some drums. Uh, and you know, as you you know, as a listener of the podcast and as the audience knows, I always like to get a little bit of the backstory of my guests. So just just tell the audience a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Yeah, I uh, I'm currently playing drums for Fantagram and uh, living in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. But I uh, I was born and raised in Basking Ridge, New Jersey, which is about uh, thirty or 35 miles west of Manhattan, suburb of New York. And I, uh, I started playing when I was around 12. I, uh, <clears throat> I started circulating through different instruments in the orchestra and band or whatever they offered when I was like eight, nine, 10 years old. And I started with viola and then I went to alto sax and then French horn. And then when I started middle school, I hadn't signed up for band um, which my mom, I think kind of went in and signed me up for because she wanted me to be doing music. And a bunch of my buddies were in the percussion section. You know, this is back when we were 11, 12. So we were doing like John Sousa stuff and I don't know, whatever they assigned to, you know, sixth graders doing concert band material. Right. But, uh, I kind of just did it cause my friends were doing it, um, in terms of starting to play the drums. And then, uh, I kind of just got bit by the bug as they, as they say. And I got a, my mom got me a drum set for my 12th birthday, I think, shortly thereafter. And um, that's kind of where, where it started for me. Did you get like the, the real kit or did you get the one with like the paper heads and the... <laughs> you know, it's, it was the one where it doesn't have a brand on it. And it's just like, it's just like a drum kit with like, you couldn't find a name anywhere <laughs> on it and blank, blank heads. And, uh, you know, I didn't even really know how to even set them up at that point. Cause I had never had a drum lesson. I, I really didn't know, you know what I was doing. I think I play open hand, which, which will, I guess we'll get to at some point, but I think it started as like, I had my snare drum set up to the left of my hi hat. I had like t-shirts stuffed into my palms. Like I literally, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so, uh, it was, a. I I started taking private lessons shortly thereafter, but, uh, it was kind of a figure it out as, as I go type deal when I was, I guess sixth grade. You know, it's funny that you say that, that you didn't know how to set them up because teaching lessons, I I used to teach lessons years ago. And I mean, I don't teach anymore. So I don't know if you've ever heard the story about why I don't teach anymore, but um, so, but people would bring in drums all the time or they would call or like when they brought their students in, they're like, can you come to our house and just help us set up our drums? Because we have no idea how to do it. And right it's such a second nature thing to me, you know, it's like, how do you not know how to, but do you, how would you know? Yeah. You know, it's not right. like a guitar. You just pull it out of the box and play. You have to set this no. thing up. It's like, you have to assemble it. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts going on, especially, you know, hopefully a beginner student doesn't have a, uh, like Terry Bozio kit or something, but, uh, I just, still I was just at people. drum channel and DW and Terry's whole kit was just set up. And I was like, I, I was like, I get it. I'll and send like you minor scales and you know, whatever else he's got. Yeah. Man, it's insane. It's insane. I'll send it's you a crazy. picture of it. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see that. But yeah, it's, uh, I teach a lot of, uh, beginners now too. And you know, when you're, it's hard to wrap your head around sometimes if you've been doing it for so long, when somebody comes in and they're like, listen, I've never held a drumstick before. So you got to start like from the very, very beginning. Right. 
and you know this is a hi hat, and this is the way you know you should set it up, or you know. But yeah, no, I had no idea. What I was think going at the on. beginning, yeah. I, I would always say like, "All right, so all right, we're gonna start. Put your you know right hand on the hi hat," and they're like, "I don't know what that is." You know, yeah, like, oh, no, what right. is that? Yeah. Beginner. Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry. Start with a diagram. All right. <laughs> So you mentioned that you started, you started taking private lessons. So did you go down? It's always interesting to me what, what road you went down. Did you go down more of the, the formal route of learning rudiments and and learning styles or did you just go down the route of like learning tunes and playing along with records? I think, I I mean, I was definitely playing along to stuff really early, you know, to like my favorite drummers and bands like super early on. But when I started taking lessons, it was like at this little, this little tiny like guitar shop that was kind of falling down and it's, it's been in the town where, 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 where it is now for like decades. And they had this falling apart drum kit on the second floor and this guy would come in and teach lessons. And I think it's honestly, it's hard for me to remember. I know we weren't working out of any books. It was all like handwritten stuff that he was, I think he was just teaching me like singles and paradiddles and like a rock beat. Mm-hmm. And um, it didn't really last very long. I don't. I don't even remember the guy's name, to be honest. I don't remember my first drum teacher's name. It's probably like some kind of sin. I don't know. That's but right. uh, but it was an introductory introductory to you know. I mean, I didn't know what a paradiddle was before I went in there. So I mean, I definitely learned you know the the beginning steps right there. But uh, yeah, it was never uh, it was never too formal. You know, any of my uh, the tra- any training that I've had has all been studying privately with people. So. Right. So how do you, how do you teach? Do you teach with a combination of the two? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it just depends on, it depends on who the student is and, and what they're trying to get out of it. You know, I mean, some of the students I get are, you know, kind of my age or, you know, young professionals or maybe a little older who are just like trying to do it as a hobby and mm-hmm. they want to, be able to play at the kid and they want to learn tunes. Um, I, I always incorporate some level of reading just because even if they don't care about that aspect of it, I think it's, you know, important. Mm -hmm. Um, but especially with younger kids of whom I have several, uh, I always do the reading just because, and, and they'll bring me stuff that they're working on in school and it just gets them so far ahead of the game, you know, to be working with someone outside of school, just learning the basics of notation and, and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, I, totally I try to do a combo, but the, the level of percentage of each kind of just varies depending on who the student is. Sure. Cause I know some people, you know, have, they say, you sort of go through my system of teaching and other people just say, okay, well, well, let's figure out what you need to learn and let's figure out the best way for you to learn that sort of thing and, and, and work through it there. And you're a, you're a bang the drum school, right? At Mark's yeah, place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That's what, Nice. So, and I'll make sure that I put all, all the contact information about bang and all that stuff in, in the show notes for this. So people want to contact you and uh, do you teach via Skype too? Uh, I don't currently, but I'm hoping to, uh, at some point get, get set up with that. Cool. This is totally, Um, yeah, right now I'm just, uh, with that. I was, I was just going to say, this is totally like, uh, the the bass awkward's way of how the interview usually goes because I usually put all of this information at the end of it so so we're just <laughs> oh, we're, we're ju- flipping it over man so, we're just yeah. we're we're off the cuff man that's how we that's how we yeah, do it all. we're really changing up the scenario really breaking new ground people's heads are are spinning so I want to get I want to get into uh, 
I, I like painting the picture of, of the road that you had to travel one, because I always like to hear the story and, and it's interesting, but also because there's always nuggets of information in there of, of how someone else can, can do what they want to do in this business and do some of the things that you've done. So let's walk down the road a little bit about, okay, you start taking private lessons, you know, you're, you're 12, yeah. 13, 14, 15, 18, 20, 25. So how does that road look? getting to the point where you're at now, where you're, you know, you're teaching in New York city, you're, you're touring with Fanagram, you're, you're doing all of these things. Let's walk down that road a little bit and help us understand, you know, how, how someone else can do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I was heavily involved in, in any, everything in music and school from, from day one. So when moving on to high school, I was active in like, you know, every, like singing became a big thing for me. So, I mean, drums weren't always my primary focus. In fact, I, I ended up going to college as a vocal, like classical vocal performance major, um, out of high school. Um, but before that I, uh, you know, I was in the concert bands, the symphony orchestra, the concert choir, acapella choir, jazz bands. Um, I did, you know, pit orchestra for the musicals, um, doing like, you know, Broadway style stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I pretty much just did everything they offered. And I was very fortunate to go to a school where um, they had a lot to offer and they had a budget for um, us to do some really cool things and cool competitions. And they had, you know, good equipment. So I was really lucky and fortunate that way and, and great teachers too. Was it a performing so, arts school or was it a, just a typical No, it's just a regular public high school. It just, we had awesome facilities and a really, really good competitive music department. That's awesome. So um, it was a really good spot to be. Um, you know, just competing against other schools and uh, just having so many options. I mean, I was in the orchestra and band and jazz. So I was always playing the drums, you know, or, mm -hmm. or, and or singing one of the two or doing something musically. So, I, I think that's important though, that you point that out because so many people are just, you know, I'm just a drummer and, and that's how I do it. But it's like, well, if you, you know, maybe if you sing and learn melody and play piano or, or get involved in some different things that are really going to challenge your comfort zone, it sort of prepares you for the road ahead, especially if you want to do this as a career. Absolutely. I mean, I, I really like to take a musical approach to the drums where it's not like I'm a, a technician per se, or, you know, solely just like a, you know, a timekeeper, but I spent a lot of time, learning other instruments and studying theory and all kinds of other stuff. So I kind of like to, you know, put that all together and, you know, kind of drum musically and dynamically and, and for the song rather than be, not that I could be, you know, any of those uh, like Thomas Lang type people, but that's just not what, you know, that's not where I'm really coming from, from my uh, background and training and stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, that's so, I guess getting into college was, uh, I mean, I was really into everything musically and drama club and all that stuff in high school, but not really too interested in anything else. So um, I kind of sang my way into school and I ended up going to uh, Mason Gross School of the Arts, which is at Rutgers in New Jersey mm -hmm. um, as a vocal performance major, which was really intense because you're basically training to be an opera singer. So it's like ear training three days a week at eight o'clock in the morning and you know, all kinds of crazy. Like one of my classes was a uh, 16th century counterpoint, which is like, yeah. you know, composition theory from, from the 1500s, like I, just like crazy stuff. Yep. I, I mean, I was um, a, a music major, so I had like some of the most ridiculous classes that yeah. 
I mean, it's, and I, I didn't really, I mean, I kind of did it because that's how I got into the school that I got into. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had to do it for a year, but I ended up transferring schools um, and ended up graduating uh, from Champlain College in Burlington, Vermont uh, with a psychology degree, just because I was, I just wanted to get out of what I was doing. And sure. I had some friends that lived in Burlington, Vermont. I really loved the town. I love Burlington, man. I just went, yeah, I was just there and, a few uh, weeks ago. Oh, nice. Yeah, I hope to get up there this winter. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I just, I don't know. I think I took a psych class and was just interested. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to finish college, this could be a way to do it just because I find the this topic interesting. So, mm-hmm. and I knew I wanted to finish school. I just didn't, I wasn't really interested in the process, I guess. Right. So, um, but that's also where I met Sarah, who is the lead singer of Fantagram, which kind of ties the whole thing uh, together, I guess. That's interesting. That's kind of how I ended up where I am now. Uh, see what I did there? So I looped it. I I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> the back around. Didn't even see it coming. I like it. I like um, it. So I guess I've got you uh, up to the college point, but I guess another point to make is I just never stopped playing. You know, I never stopped playing drums. Right. You know, I would jam all the time with some some guys that would get together in my basement up in Burlington who were all like one, one guy went to Berkeley. who was a bass player and the two guitar players were fantastic. And we never, we never really started a band and played out. We kind of just did it for fun on our own, but they were all like amazing players. I mean, we were like covering John Schofield tunes and all kinds of cool stuff. So, you know, just kind of never stopped playing, I guess is the theme. Right. Never really like, sold the drums and moved on, you know, type, type deal, which, you know, happens to certain people, I suppose. Well, the great thing is too, is that, you know, you had mentioned, Oh, I was a music major. And then I left and, and decided not to be a music major. And I did the same yeah. thing. I was a music major and I was, I was disinterested in, like you said, the process, not necessarily what I was learning, but just the process of it. And, sort of, I kind of felt like I didn't want, I didn't need a degree to play. So, um, but you don't need to have a degree to do this as a career. I mean, if you want to go that route, it's perfectly fine. Like Nate Morton went to Berkeley and, and he's, you right. know, like we were just talking about him and, you know, Nate was saying the best thing that he did for his career was going to Berkeley. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's so many different paths. And I guess this is my roundabout way of saying it is that, no matter, you know, I've done 150 of these interviews and everyone has a different story. And so right. if you're listening out there and you're trying to do this or, or, you know, you think that you have to go down the path, the same path as somebody else that you listen to. Everybody's unique and everybody's going to have their way that they got there. Some people have never walked into a college. Some people can't read. And some people have been in college for, you know, 30 years and can read down anything on a page and, you know, totally went that way. So... My yep. point is, take your own path out there if you're listening. Do it Do it your yeah. own way. Don't try to be somebody else, you know? Yep. Yeah. I mean, no, he made so many good points during that. You know, it's, it's a lot of things in any business come down to who you know. And I think one of, the, one of the points he was making was, I don't know if I'm going to remember this right. I hope I am. I hope he doesn't listen to this also. Um, but uh, <laughs> just all the people he met and surrounded himself with while he was there, just good musicians and um, so I've kind of like, I didn't go to a Berkeley type school for, you know, contemporary music, but, you know, I've tried to continue to play with, even if it was just messing around with friends in college, like really good players. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a different path, I suppose. Sure. 
So I got um, a, a couple of things I want to ask you about. One, um, yeah. this is sort of going back a little bit about what you talked about and um, about approaching things musically and and how you do that. So I want to I want to touch on that in a second, but I also want to ask, so you're saying about who, you know, and I 110% agree that it's, it's who, you know, the relationship you have, uh, you know, the value that you add to other people, the, you know, how much you're, you're helping other people get what they want. So you can get what you want in a, in a totally non sleazy way. Um, but a, a really, uh, a genuine way. So, I, I want to talk a little bit about networking and sort of your your strategy behind it. And for some reason, everybody not strategy, but just your thoughts on it, because everybody thinks that that there's like this magic thing or like this secret sauce or silver bullet. But it's not. It's just a matter of going out there and hustling. So I always like to hear how other people do that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not something that comes naturally to me. And, it, and if. And if anyone who, who's like, I don't, I just don't want to, I don't feel like reaching out to people. And, and I, and I totally get that, that sort of mentality because it's not really in my nature to like go to things and rub elbows and try to meet people and get their business card and all, all that stuff. But right. I will say that over the last, you know, two and a half or so years of uh, being involved with Fantagram, I've, you know, met so many people, so many different bands and musicians and people in the business. And I've tried to make a point of, and I'm hoping to get better at this, but just remembering people's names and faces and being able to recall it. And um, just because you're always meeting different people and, it's kind of embarrassing, but it happens to me all the time. People are like, Oh, Hey, what's going on? You know, maybe we're at a show or something or wherever. And, you know, I just have no idea who the person is. Right. And that's not, it's, that's not a good thing. So yeah. I'm trying to avoid, avoid that. Um, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's important in any business, you know, if you're totally. interested in something, it's like, so who, who do I know in this industry or business that I'm interested in? Who can I reach out to? And you'd be surprised that when you reach out to people more than more often than not, they're willing to sit down with you and grab a coffee. And as, as I would, if anyone has, would ever ask me, you know, just to chat about, you know, what it is they do, just, just like an informational, you know, gathering type mm-hmm. type thing. Um, not necessarily like, what, what can you do for me? I'm trying to do this, but um, I think that can get kind of tricky because you don't want to show up to a meeting or, or just any kind of, like chat with a person who you're hoping to get information from and sort of like pitch them and sell them on yourself necessarily. But if you're in the early stages of, of trying to get into something and, you know, regardless of whether it's drums or not, yeah, just reach. I think it's really important to just dig deep into your own social network and think about who do I know who might know someone, you know, who, like who's, whose uncle works for whoever, like who, who can I talk to, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's just about being proactive, which, like I said, it doesn't come naturally to me, but uh, it, it is kind of important because um, you never know who you're going to meet or what yeah. kind of information you're going to have. Um, and I'll just give one quick example. I was sure. like five, maybe six years ago, I was working, I think I was managing a restaurant in, in Jersey out towards where I live. And I was kind of having like a quarter life crisis or, or on, on there about, I don't know exactly how old I was. So I went into Drummers Collective and I sat down with, whoever, I don't remember the guy's name, but the director of the department. And I was thinking like, this is what I want to do. 
maybe this is the, the steps that you take, you know, maybe I don't do a full bachelor program, but maybe I do like a cert- certification and I can still work and get some, you know, credentials. And he was like, listen, if you can do anything else, go do it. I mean, that's the, like, he really was super honest with me. He was like, these guys that are in here, they're here because this is what they do. You know, if you want to play drums on the weekends or, um, in your free time or, you know, people do that, uh, outside of what they do, you know, on a day-to-day basis. But he, he literally, his exact words were, if you can do anything else, go do it instead of this. Instead of so playing music? Kind of a, yeah. Instead of trying to be a professional drummer. Really? So, which, which was, which was interesting because I'm also someone that's sitting there potentially willing to give them my money, um, to go to school there. Um, so I didn't, I took his advice to heart and I contemplated it very carefully. I didn't necessarily agree with him, but I mean, I could see, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know if I, it was something I explained to him or where I was coming from that made him say that, but I was just kind of taken aback. Sure. Um, um, and I, I certainly wouldn't discourage anyone from, you know, going to school to learn how to play drums or, you know, do it full time. Cause like, like Nate was saying in his podcast, you know, you never know what kind of drummers and musicians you're going to meet over there at the collective who mm-hmm. maybe you start a band with them. Maybe they, one of them gets on a show and needs a sub. And then there, there you go. You're a sub now. And then maybe you can get a, maybe you can get a full-time job another time later or whatever. I guess we're back on networking now, but right. Um, That's, I, it's interesting that he said that not, was he saying like, Oh, you can't make a career out of this or you got, you know, like there's no money in it or something. I don't know if he was saying it like to me personally, but he was, he was kind of giving like, it sounded to me like, like fatherly career advice. Like, you know, like if you really want to play the drums, then do it like part time and don't, you know, don't do it full time. Um, which I thought, well, I don't know. Like it's, it's cause that's what I do now and, and it's all good, but it's full like, time. I don't know. Now, it, like, right. I don't know what to make of that now that, cause I haven't thought about that in a long time until I just brought it up. It's funny. Um, you should go back and be like, Hey man. Uh, Hey, listen, man. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of so. like, you know, uh, uh, Hugh Hefner got fired from the magazine that he worked for because he wanted a dollar a week raise a dollar an hour raise or something. And they wouldn't give it to him. And so he quit and he was like, all right, I'll just start my own magazine. I think he, I think yeah. he was pretty yeah. successful at that. And if I can add another example about the networking side of things, the reason that's how drummers resource literally got started from me cold calling people and being like, Hey man, can I sit down with you and have a cup of coffee? And the conversations were really good. Then I started, you know, booking people for lessons and just saying, can I just hang out and talk to you and record it? And then it turned Mm -hmm. into drummers resource. And even before drummers resource, I probably, and I still do. I've probably cold called and cold emailed thousands of people. Literally, I mean, without exaggerating, thousands of people and some people don't respond. Some people are, you know, like, nah, I don't have time. But the vast majority of people are like, sure, man, I'd love to meet you for a cup of coffee. Sure, man, I'd love to get together with you. You know, like all all last weekend or two weekends ago, I met up with like four people just from from emailing them, you know, and just like, hey, man, we were like minded people. I would love to just kind of get together and pick your brain. And it's like, yeah, OK. And we, you get together and a lot of times nothing comes out of it, but you, you're just slowly building relationships. And now, you know, I can travel all over the place and and meet anybody for coffee because 
of what I've created through drummers resource and everything. And I'm not saying that to, to brag by any means. I'm just saying like, that's an example of the power of just networking a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you lost nothing by doing that. You know I mean? If it's not going to be a waste of time, at the very least you met somebody in an industry that you're interested in and maybe gained a little insight. And even if you didn't like, I mean, what else were you doing for that hour, you know, or whatever. So Mm -hmm. it's not like a, it's not, it's a, it's a win-win situation, I guess. Yeah, I totally agree. I still, I'm still blown away by the, by the collective comment, but, uh, but I want to touch yeah, on, <laughs> I don't, I, I, that's like a huge, like downer. I don't, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Why? That, but it that's, happened. Hey you man, really that's where, that to me, so. dude, we're here for, we're here for the truth, man. I think I just said the truth. That changes the whole tone of this conversation. Yeah. I don't know. We are here for the truth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, man, there's no, there's no sugar coating here, man. Like I, I want people to, to realize the ins and outs, the goods, the bad and the ugly. So oh, good. I'll start letting the expletives fly. That's yeah. Hey soon. man, whatever okay, we're, we up. are, uh, this is this is not what do they call it terrestrial radio? It's not terrestrial radio, so we can do whatever. No, it we isn't. Want. Um, so I want to touch on another thing. How you talked about? I brought this up a little bit ago about you saying how you like to approach things musically, and you know, come from a musical side of things rather than a technical side of things. So I want, let's talk about that a little bit about, like you said, your approach, and then I also want to get into the to the open hand playing thing as well because I think it's so yeah. important that music comes first. Music always needs to come first. It's always better than chops and tech technical prowess. Yeah. I mean, I think it, the, the way I started learning about all that stuff was probably in the early days in like playing classical percussion, just because there's so many, there's so many constant dynamic markings and dynamic changes and um, all kinds of counting. And sometimes you're counting for like an entire movement before you hit the triangle once. And like, so you have to like kind of be on top of that stuff. But my approach to the drums is really, really like my style of playing is kind of very groove oriented and like texture oriented. And um, so I don't like to kind of stomp on anything. And like, if I add a fill in a fantagram song, for instance, like on the live show, mm-hmm. um, you know, I always want to make sure that it's tasteful. I mean, my, my thing is always serving the song in terms of wh- where you're coming from in the drums. And that doesn't mean you can't do technical things and kind of have fun with it. Um, it doesn't mean you have to like play two and four and, and just keep time all day. But, and that's not to, that's not to say I'm like, like I'm anti-technical, you know, I mean, there's, right, there's, right. I was just watching, I was just watching a video and I don't remember his name, but it was like one of the runners up on the guitar center, um, like dr- like yearly drum off thing, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm never going to win that thing. You know, that's just not the kind of drummer that I am, but I'm totally fine with that. And I'm also in awe of some of the things that these guys are doing. I mean, I'd have to work for years probably to, to pull it off, but Dude, JP, um, I interviewed not- JP Bouvet, Bouvet and he dropped out of college to concentrate on winning that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, did he win it? He did. He did. Okay. Well, then, there you go. <laughs> Mission yeah, another, another shot to the drummer's collective guy. What does he know? Right. Right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's just kind of, you know, playing with dynamics, playing with texture, playing with groove. I mean, that's all, um, if I'm, you know, Billy Martin is one of my, probably my favorite drummer. I don't know if I want to get into like rankings and whatnot, but he's definitely probably my biggest influence. I love Billy. Someone who I try to emulate. And, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on that at some point, but, uh, but yeah, um, 
Yeah, and I think it probably just comes with all kinds of like uh, playing different instruments and having all kinds of musical exposure and training and all kinds of stuff that kind of shapes w- where I'm coming from on the drums, um, which is not, you know, as in we're not just like loud timekeepers per se. Right, right. So you know, I'm going to I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. So. I oh boy. let's just say I walk into your practice studio and I'm like, Hey man, I'm a, you know, I'm a drummer and I can, I, I can play pretty well, but I don't feel like I play musically or I don't feel like I have like, you know, a lot of feel and don't play with a lot of texture yeah. and don't serve the song. What should I do? Well, um, I would, uh, if you were taking lessons from me, uh, one of the things I might do right off the bat, especially if the drummer already has some experiences, break out future sounds, um, which was, I love that book. Yeah. One of the books that I, one of the teachers I had when I was living in LA, um, introduced me to, I was probably like 24 maybe. Um, but that, that really puts a huge emphasis on grooving and the dynamic dif- difference between, you know, an accented snare drum hit and, and ghost notes and really um, putting a magnifying glass on that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So introducing that kind of, that kind of stuff would probably be where I would start just because that's how I started. And that's how I know um, how to sort of, start down that road of being able to play with, you know, groove and texture. Right. It's amazing to see just even like the first page of, of future sounds, just how, like how it really starts to break things down. And you're like, Oh, I can say the I can play the same pattern 17 different ways with, you know, right. All of these different feels and like, you know, like the paradiddle groove that moves through that and, and just hearing all the differences and it's, it's, it's an amazing book. So if anybody out there is, is trying to really step up their game when it comes to playing musically and, and just like expanding their vocabulary with the stuff that they have, definitely check out future sounds. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. I'm like, I'm actually sitting here looking at my copy. I think I need a new one. It's all, it's like completely destroyed and the CD is gone too. Where did that go? I don't know. <laughs> uh, not that I even have the ability to play that anymore. Uh, I have, yeah, I was just, I have, I have I all of it on MP3. I can send it to you. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, I actually might want you to do that because I don't, it's, I, I don't know idea where that compact disc could be. Once it's in somewhere. a while I'm listening to my iPod and like a tunes on and then the next tunes like a one, two, three, four. And then it's like this Garibaldi oh, lick so for a second funny. and then it goes to the next song. Yeah, because like, it's so funny that you say that. Cause I, I ripped the, uh, the Frank Malvey, Bob Wiener, Afro-Cuban book onto my iPad at one time. Right. And if I'm scrolling through my iPad, because a lot of times I listen to music, like I just hit shuffle and I scroll through. Right, right. And like, this like Bembe example will come up, come up and it's like a click and it's like... Uh, <laughs> it's like 18 I mean, seconds yeah, and then like, it's right, gone. Well, I'm not going to listen to this right now, but I'm glad I have it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh... What was I going to say before I forget? Oh, yeah, I was just introducing the idea of like ghost notes and texture to one of my students the other day who's able to really play through, you know, basic rock beats and some different stuff pretty well. Um, and that's that to me is what really makes that stuff kind of jump off the page, you know, because it mm-hmm. takes on a whole new life when you're able to, you know, just start adding little dimension stuff with a hi-hat and the snare and, and different stuff like that. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm all about, you know, when it comes to playing. Yeah. That's more my style. Like you said, I'm never, I'm never going to be the guy that wins the, the drum off and not that that stuff's not cool. I'm just not. That. Right. It's amazing. It's yeah. just not, you know, it's not at some point I think you have to, 
recognize what, what you're about. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to try and learn different stuff as time goes on, because when I have time, I'd love to get back to taking lessons and all that kind of stuff and exploring different areas that I never really touched on or whatever. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of my general attitude towards the drum set. I was just thinking, speaking of lessons, Michael Carvin teaches at your, at your spot too, doesn't he? Michael Carvin. Yeah. Um, I think so. I don't, I don't know that I've met every single teacher there. You should, um, you should check him out, but I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, then I'm embarrassed, but, um, <laughs> that's all. Nobody, nobody's listening anyway. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping. Just, it's like the, gonna like the major the league reference. Thing. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. <laughs> He's like, you can't curse on the air. He's like, ah, don't worry. Nobody's listening anyway. Nobody's listening. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Michael, Michael Carvin is a, is a master teacher and actually taught Billy Martin and, and, uh, yes. I mean a bunch of, a bunch of other people, but I know he teaches there. I interviewed him for the podcast. That's the only reason why I know that. And just okay. an amazing human being. You should, you should try to connect with him while you're, while you're there. Cause I know he teaches there right, once yeah. in a while. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I would know that if he was still there. I don't, I don't know that he is, but if I will definitely look into that. Um, I, I heard you briefly bring up, you were talking about living in LA. So how long were you out in LA? I was there for about, uh, just under three years. I moved out like right after, um, college graduation. Ah, I got you. Yeah. So I was just kind of, sick of the Burlington Vermont winter. And I had a couple of good friends I grew up with that were living in LA. So I was going to do something different. Um, but it was good because I, uh, one of the first things I did when I got into town was I went over to Chad Sexton's drum city, Mm -hmm. which, uh, doesn't, isn't there anymore, but I was, I was seeing ads for it all the time in modern drummer magazine and elsewhere. And they just, people just kept saying it was like this cool, like it's just a drum store, you know, it's not like a guitar center and people hang out there and talk drums and it's, it just kind of sounded like a cool thing. So I just went over there and uh, I ended up finding my teacher uh, by the name of Jeff Sorensen, um, who was teaching there at the time. And uh, yeah, I took lessons from him for more than a year, I think. And he, he definitely helped me. Um, get my playing up to the next level by introducing me to stuff like future sounds and the new breed and, and just books that I haven't, hadn't worked on yet. Right. Um, so that was definitely a, uh, a step up in the development of my playing was, was taking lessons with him. Nice. I know that was just a random question. Cause I heard you, you, you bring up LA and I didn't know if that was a, a recent thing or not. Um, no, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, not, not, I guess not that I lived there from like Oh six to Oh nine. Uh, around okay. around there approximately i got you so yeah. let's talk about this tour that you guys are getting ready to go on tour with muse we are yeah it's uh we're doing an uh, arena tour with muse that's pretty insane which is uh yeah i mean it <laughs> i keep saying this to people but it doesn't sound right like when it's coming out of my mouth because i i kind of discovered muse i mean they had been a band for quite a while before i knew about them but i was in college in Burlington, I, I literally remember this moment. I was in my pizza job. I was like pizza delivery man. And a couple of our buddies were DJs on the local alternative rock station. And Time is Running Out came on, which I think was, it was the first single they really had breakthrough in the States. I'm not sh- I hope that's right. 
I think it might be somewhat right. Um, but I don't know. I was just like, oh, man, this band is awesome. And ever, ever since, I mean, I've seen them a bunch of times. I've spent like, you know, I think my 25th birthday at a Muse show out in California. I mean, they've been one of my favorite bands for, uh, you know, since like the last, for the last like 10 years, I guess. That's awesome. So, yeah. So when I, when we got that news, I was kind of freaking out. Nice. When's that tour start? It is going to start on December 1st in Texas. Cool. And then we're doing uh, two dates in Texas. And then I think we're going, I think Fantagram's going to squeeze in a couple of our own dates through throughout the tour because I think Muse is like leaving the tour to go do fly dates in Mexico or something. I don't know if I have those logistics right, but there's, there's points uh, during December where Muse leaves the country and goes to do other stuff. So there's like a three-day break. Mm-hmm. Um, while we're on the tour. So we're going to squeeze in a few, I think maybe like Spokane, Washington and Boise, a couple of those um, smaller markets out, out West. And then we go to Vancouver with Muse and then make our way down to San Diego, kind of just hitting Seattle, Portland, Oakland, Vegas, LA, um, San Diego. And actually it actually ends in LA. There's two nights at the Staples Center. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I bet you're, that's that's got to be kind of cool to go back and. I mean, have you ever played Staples Center before? No, 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 no not, <laughs> not 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 even a little bit. All right. Yeah, I've watched people play stuff there. I've watched. Right. Yeah, the Kings play a hockey game there. Right. And, I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, I don't even know if like, I've been to a show there. To be honest, living there and you know going back to play there, which is it's got to be a good feeling. Yeah, I mean it's it's I mean it's kind of like a home away from home, and we we spent we spend a lot of time in LA when we're like I think on the last tour cycle I was probably in LA you know six or eight times last year just doing we we played a lot of we were very fortunate to play some amazing uh, amazing gigs out there like the Palladium which is a really historical venue mm-hmm. another place I used to go when I was living out there and uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery which is a really really cool one um and and some others so yeah it's always you know i still have a ton of friends and family there so it always ends up being a really good time to uh to go back that's awesome yeah i was uh i was just there and just drove actually just drove by the staple center i was like man i want to play there yeah so i know it's <laughs> let me know how I'll, uh, I'll give you a full review <laughs> i appreciate it <laughs> So if people want to connect with you and people want to learn from you and, and people want to uh, interact and ask you to meet them for a cup of coffee, uh, where should they, where should they do that? Uh, Chris Carhart at gmail.com is a great place to do that. that simple enough. And what's yeah. your, what's and your I website? Have, um, uh, Chris Carhart.com. Cool. What were you yeah, going to say? Pretty, something? pretty basic. What's that? I thought you were going to, you were going to say something. Oh, um, maybe I was. Oh, yeah. the The website is kind of just like um, it's like a basic landing page. Um, I hope to. Uh, I haven't been very good about putting blog entries in, but I'm. I should. I hope to start doing that, especially with some of the experiences we're gonna have coming up. But I, I've missed out on a couple. There's a couple really cool things, like playing at the garden, that I wish I had written about, and kind of the day after when it was fresh. But I, I just didn't. So I'm hoping to use the website as more of like a blog. Um, but then my contact info is on there and, um, you know, like an equipment list and stuff like that. If anybody cares to check that out. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a pretty basic page, but yeah, contact wise emails is definitely the way to go. Well, I encourage anybody out there to, to get in touch with Chris, especially if you're in the New York area and want to, want to study with him. And he's at uh bang the drum school. You can check that out, check him out. 
at chriscarhart.com. And Chris, thanks, man. I uh, I appreciate it. It was great chatting with you. I'm so stoked for this tour for you, man. It's, it's really awesome. Congratulations on all the success, and I wish you thanks, nothing man. but success yeah. in the future. I appreciate that. It should be a pretty pretty crazy time for sure. And we'll all be uh, we'll all be waiting for the for the detailed review of the of the Staples Center show as well. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I'll have yeah, I'll have uh, a detailed review for sure. <laughs> right. I'm sure it's just going to be like it was amazing, and then right. and that's about it. <laughs> but uh, but thank you for having me. Yeah, I've enjoyed listening to some of your the podcasts, um, and uh, I just thought it would be a really cool thing to to do. So thanks for getting in touch with me and uh, and doing it. It was fun. Absolutely, man. It was my pleasure. And again, good luck on the tour. Break a leg, and uh, I'll be talking to you soon. All right, thanks, Nick. Good deal, brother. Thanks, Chris. So there you have it, Chris Carhart. Be sure to check him out at Chris Carhart, C-A-R-H-A-R-T dot com. And for links and information to all the stuff that we talked about, you can visit drummersresource.com forward slash session one three nine. And like I said, if you're looking to work with me either on a monthly basis or on a one-on-one sort of a la carte thing to help you grow your career, grow your social media presence, get more gigs, get more students or anything like that, or you just need an accountability partner to making sure you're you're doing what you need to be doing every week, get at me, go to drummersresource.com forward slash career and you can set up a call with me where we can chat and figure it all out. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.